0: let's talk rumors what have we heard about the pacers potential maneuvers with the trade deadline two weeks away are they real do they seem not real how are they changed by the siakam acquisition plus plenty more on today's locked on pacers podcast you are locked on pacers your daily indiana pacers podcast
1: part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: what up, y'all? Happy Thursday, and welcome into another edition of the Luck On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're talking rumors. Trade deadline is two weeks away, two Thursdays from today, also Thursday. There's a lot to catch up on. What has the rumbling spin around the Pacers and some external players that they could be interested in? How are they related to what the Pacers just did? They just got Pascal Siakam. Do these jive up with what the Pacers did? Were they before or after that report? What could this team do? in the coming weeks. And who better to talk about it with continuing our tour to Pacers podcasters this week than Alex Golden from setting the pace we cut through all that and then talk a little Pacers Sixers because the Pacers are playing a guy who scored 70 points earlier this week tonight. It's all coming on today's locked on Pacers podcast. Let's just get right to it. Continuing this week's theme talking to Pacers podcasters on a Pacers podcast. It's time to talk with Alex Golden and we're going to cover Pacers rumors and the 76ers and does this make sense or not for the Pacers and does it still make sense after the Pacers if you didn't know everybody acquired Pascal Siakam Alex thank you for the time how are you are you enjoying the Siakam infused Indiana Pacers
1: it's it's been a fun wrinkle to watch I'm glad the Pacers have Pascal Siakam without Tyrese Halliburton I mean it would definitely be a lot worse I think, if we did not have Siakam out there. It's it's a little bit different watching him play in a Pacers uniform compared to a Raptors uniform. Still getting used to that. But, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited about what the future looks like with Pascal Siakam on this team.
0: I saw him sign two jerseys in his gamebridge uh, debut, and one was a Raptors jersey. So <laughs> I still have the Raptors jerseys fresh in my mind. Yeah, it's, it'll be exciting to see him play with Halberton. Their last game before the trade, they lost by uh, 27 points. I think people have... Seems, it seemed to have forgotten that that gave happen. <laughs> not, they're not playing well, but it's still. Um, let's talk some trade rumors. There have been quite a few, which makes sense for them, right? They've, they had, and still probably have, a lot of depth, maybe too much. They had, and kind of still have. They have a lot of extra second-rounders. They have young talent. They had cap space. They still have flexibility in some ways. So, of course, they're going to be thought of in lots of ways. They could be active on the trade market now, that has changed quite a bit. They have the reviewer first, so they don't have Bruce Brown. They don't have Jordan Mora, but there's still some interesting dynamics of the Pacers to cut through. So we're going to run through these. We're going to talk about if this report came out before, or after the Siakam trade, and then does this make sense as something the Pacers could or should
1: explore? Are you ready, Mr. Golan? I am. I think I'm ready for this. You think? I think we'll see what we'll see what names are out there. <laughs> okay. Well, most of oh we'll start on the internal side.
0: Okay. Uh, this was from Hoopsite. Our good friend Michael Scotto, friend of the Setting the Pace podcast, Michael Scotto, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, reported about Buddy Healed and said that the Pacers would like to keep Buddy Healed and have a high asking price for him in a trade. This was from, I believe, late November. Uh, the full quote is similar. When Miles Turner was entering a contract season, it was coveted by other teams. The Indiana Pacers want to keep guard Buddy Healed, have a high asking price for teams interested in acquiring him. Uh, that matches what Chad Buchanan said. You were there before the season, buddy. somebody we love having on our team. We want to keep him this year. Uh, the high asking price made sense. Now I think I'll go first just to insert some cap stuff here. This makes more sense now than it did when this report came out to me, because yeah. right this second, January 24th, the trade deadline 25th for you guys listening, the trade deadlines in two weeks, he's on an expiring contract uh, after the deadline, the Pacers relinquish control of the situation. Yes, they could still sign him to an extension. Yes, they could still resign him But Buddy Heald has to agree to that. If they trade him, that is a unilateral Pacers decision. But his salary slot is now very important. They're over the cap. They're going to be for a long time. They have no way to replace his salary on their team, either without trading him for a player of equal value or resigning him to a contract. And so he now is in a better, at least, extension financial position. So I think having a high price for him makes almost more sense because that high price should include either a salary that's long about his level, or they would need to get quite a good asset to just give him up and not get as much salary in return. But I understand contractually why they have to think about him. And he's in another report later. So uh, some push and pull here that will be fun to talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that it makes a lot of sense and you could have made the case. Maybe he should have been included in, in the Toronto trade instead of a Bruce Brown, but then you have to find some extra money to get enough, salary to make that deal happen without giving up a ton so I do understand why they didn't do that but you know Caitlin Cooper's been pretty adamant that she's excited about how Siakam and Heald can fit together and how that worked that one game when Halliburton was healthy in Portland I mean we saw the starters just dominating that game so six threes for Heald yeah yeah it's a it's a pretty small sample size it's a one game sample size but I think the Pacers like they do value Buddy Heald a lot and I think the way their offense plays he is so good in that and Rick Carlisle you know, he, he's he got a little bit of a crush on Buddy Hill. There's no doubt about it. I mean, <laughs> just the way he plays, the way he gets the offense moving, like nobody else really does it on this team. So I, I get why they have uh, your, your point about the salary and going with the bird rights and that kind of stuff with the cap. I, it all makes sense because you do want to have a bigger contract to trade. I mean, for crying out loud, look at the Knicks. They're still holding on to Evan Fournier in case the deal pops yeah. up for them. So it just makes a lot of sense. You don't want to have to put together like four or five rookie contracts to make a deal happen. You do want to have a vet that makes a good amount of money and we'll see what kind of contract Buddy Hilde wants long-term. I think that's the only hiccup here for me with whether they keep him or not past the deadline. It just depends on how much he wants and if they're willing to pay that. But if it's around what he's making now, it seems like it'd be a pretty good fit moving forward. And for all the reasons that you listed already.
0: Yeah. And of course his future shot would be value valuable in a trade, but like assuming he it, just make up a number, whatever you think it is, 15, 17, $20 million player. Assuming he is that level of player that's higher than the mid level exception. So they literally cannot get that quality of player yeah, outside of players with bird rights. Right. So <laughs> it, it's him. He's better than any free agent they could get. So yes, you're, you're absolutely right that that would be valuable and in, in potentially a trade, but it's also valuable to have a player who can be thought of as that good. I don't know exactly what he thinks his value would be, but I mean, I think that his salary now, especially in the current cap climate, is about fair, right? 19, 20-ish million makes mm-hmm. sense to me uh, going forward for him. If his shooting continues to struggle, we'll see. But I think that makes sense. What is a high asking price exactly, as this report suggests? That's where I don't know, because in the absence of an extension, no one, no one's trading for a first-round pick for buddy yield, right? Yeah. There's only two and a half months left in the season, unless there's bad salary attached to that. So I don't know what a high asking price is anymore. This was really early in the season, but I think that's the part that doesn't necessarily pass the smell test for me. I think he has positive value, of course, but either way, the other, and we won't go straight to Buddy Hill again. We'll jump over to a report that we got from two different groups. I believe Hoops Hype with Michael Scott was one and uh, uh, Jake Fisher at Yahoo Sports was the other. TJ McConnell being monitored by other teams for trade. And this is way after last summer. Where there was a lot of reports about the Phoenix Suns being a very interested team, the problem with that is uh, there's no <laughs> there's no legal way for the Suns to acquire him via trade if they're going to keep Grayson Allen. Um, obviously McConnell has this early in the season he didn't have a role for the Pacers but has earned one. He's playing now. There's less guards so he's probably going to play all the time. Um, this was before the Pascal trade, similar to the the first one we talked about. Um, The first report from Hoops Hype was point guard T.J. McConnell is another player rival. Executives are seeking in the backcourt are monitoring. And Jake Fisher said backup floor general T.J. McConnell has drawn ongoing interest from playoff teams in search of greater backup help.
1: Alex, does this make sense to you? It makes sense that teams want T.J. McConnell, but (laughs) I did listen to Jake Jake Fisher talk on a podcast, and he said, yeah, the Pacers are pretty much like, yeah, you're not getting our little T.J. McConnell. It's going to take a lot. And uh, that made me laugh because Jake was just cracking me up when he said it. But I think TJ McConnell's just proven his value to this team this year. It, it made a lot of sense if if Halliburton and Emhart are healthy. And he was one of the guys on the outset of the rotation early on in the season. Clearly wasn't a part of Rick's, you know, nine-man rotation that he had thought of. Even said at one point, like, I'm not going to play 10 guys just to play 10 guys. Like, Rick even said yep. that to us in the media. So. I kind of thought, okay, the writing's on the wall here with McConnell, especially since he's got that partial guarantee for next year, around $5 million. So, But this year, Andrew Nimhart has had so many injuries, and then Tyrese having this injury, it's like, man, having McConnell has been huge for this team. So I, I think that he just means so much, not only to what he does on the floor, but in the locker room and just having that veteran leader. I don't think the Pacers trade TJ McConnell whatsoever, uh, unless they got like a really nice deal. I just think that he means more to them than he probably would – to a lot of other franchises, because of the leadership role that he has with this team, and you can even see the impact that he had on a rookie like Ben Shepard just the other night, and, and, and Shepard talking about it that and the way he was giving him so much love in the, in the press conference. I just TJ McConnell. It's hard to uh, it's hard to imagine him not being with Indiana.
0: Yeah. Okay. A lot of interesting specifics about this. Like one, neither of them said like the Pacers are interested in trading him, right? <laughs> Very yeah. clearly. And, and so with Buddy, you think about. He's on an expiring deal. They have to think about it. You know, with, with TJ, that's not the case. He's got a partially guaranteed contract next year, but he's he's earned that money. And they both say uh, uh, rival executives seeking help are monitoring or, you know, yeah. other teams are interested in acquiring. Yeah, that makes sense because he's good, right? So, <laughs> like, conceptually, early in the season when he wasn't in the rotation, maybe you would think about this differently, right? If you're trading your 12th guy who's not playing and it's just a vet and you're getting value back. Yes, maybe that's something you consider doing. But also the Pascal trade happened, and Bruce Brown's not on the team anymore. So, like, there is a rotation spot for TJ McConnell every game now. And it's not saying the Pacers are shopping him, and he has earned minutes for this team. This would have at, at parts of the season been something. I'm like, yeah, okay, that passes the smell test. I get it. Now I'm like, no, they should. <laughs> that that doesn't seem like something they would do.
1: Yeah. No, and I agree. I mean, it he means too much to this team, and – other teams are going to want him. Rick Carlisle called him one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. I think it was the other night, maybe against Sacramento. Just had a great game in that awesome. one. And, yeah. you know, it's just, he's healthy. I mean, for the most part in his career, he's been kind of a guy that doesn't usually get hurt. I think, what was it, his wrist a couple of years ago where he missed a lot of time. So yep. that's not something you usually see from McConnell, and it's just the energy that he brings. So it makes sense why other teams would want him. But you know, when, when Jay Michael was still here covering this team, I remember he said that I don't know if Rick's going to really love TJ McConnell because he's not a three-point shooter. And that might be part of the problem with how Rick wants to play his offense. But then I think like a couple of months in is like, oh, we can't trade this guy. So uh, I feel like it's just McConnell's going to be a pacer as long as his contract runs. And and, and just really the point guard situation is tough because you got three guys, obviously, that are in the rotation there. But being being able to play Andrew Nemar at the two really does, I think, give Rick a little bit more flexibility with having McConnell in the rotation, and it makes a lot of sense to kind of keep him instead of trying to, okay, we got to move off of him.
0: I agree with all that. Uh, this one, I, if they traded him, I would get it, but the value yeah. would have to be of a certain extent, or I wouldn't get it. Hey, guys, have to really quickly take a break to talk to you about the lovely folks over at Grammarly. When it comes to riding, Grammarly is there to support you From start to finish, they've been around for over 10 years, and you can trust them to help you across all the places where you write the most. They help you do even more with one click. You can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply with suggestions based on your context and goals. I use Grammarly myself. It's perfect for copy editing. Every time I mess up, boom, it helps me save time. It makes me more creative with its substitutions for synonyms. You can accomplish more. You can do way more with Grammarly and be way more productive. If you're stuck writing at work, bang, it can help you with that. If you need to polish your writing, that's when I use it the most. Bang, it can help you with that. Getting through emails quicker, heck yeah, it can help you with that. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or you need to figure out drafting an important email, Grammarly can help you with all that. Creating a professional outline for a PowerPoint or having suggestions to jumpstart your writing. And the best part is that it's free to use. Start being more productive at work. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free today. Cannot endorse it more myself. I use it every day. That's Grammarly, G R A M M A R L Y dot com slash podcast. Also, really quick, I got to talk to you about prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It's simple what you do on prize picks. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. Watch your winnings roll in. For example, Kevin Durant, Sons played him, Pacers played him last week. For the Suns, and he had 40 points. Is he gonna have more than or less than 28 points in a game? Or Trey Young for more than or less than 10 assists. Maybe not those specific lines for players, but something similar to that is how Price Picks works with two to six players. They have a reboot policy. So if one of your entries gets injured, you stay in. How about that? They're one of the only daily fantasy sports platforms with an injury insurance policy. They have a combo leagues. So you can do basketball plus football like LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. You've got to try PrizePix. Go to Pricepicks.com slash lockdownNBA and use the code lockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash lockdownNBA with the code lockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100 at PrizePix. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Number three here on Lockdown Pacers as we continue the rumor roundup. Uh, This one from Hoops Hype again, late, the context here, one, pre-Pascal Siakam trade, two, late December, right after the G League showcase, which is very relevant to the rest of this discussion. Uh, Some within the NBA are curious if the Indiana Pacers would part with rookie forward Jairus Walker. Again, this is from Michael Scotto. The exact quote is, Indiana's Jarris Walker, the number eight pick of the draft, seemingly fits the mold of a young, controllable asset with upside that Toronto likes. And his lack of front court rotational minutes has some around the league wondering, Indiana would part with him. However, funnily enough, we have since learned from other insiders, including Mark Stein and Woj on threads. I had to go to threads <laughs> to get information for the first time in my life uh, that this is maybe not the case. Mark Stein's quote was It's believed the Pacers, while undeniably active, are reluctant to part. With two of their most promising and pursued players, they can avoid it. Benedict Mather and Norgi Walker. Woj on thread said, I think the Pacers are very, very determined not to include Jarris Walker in any trade. So this one is all about the wording. Because what Scott has said is other teams and front offices wonder if they would part with Jarris Walker. Mark Stein and Woj are saying no. And I think one, Mark Stein's report was right before, uh, like a couple of days before the Siakam trade. I think, one, we have evidence from that trade that, yes, they clearly do want to keep Jairus Walker. Uh, and two, it makes a lot of sense that a team that has picked inside the top nine or the single-digit pick twice since 1989 would want to keep those guys. It's their highest potential assets they have in the organization. So to me, I understand, and this does pass a smell test that other teams would wonder if they would move Jairus Walker. Uh, it does not pass the smell test to me that they would trade Terrence Walker unless they're getting someone amazing, and then mm-hmm. it, it, it has to be a slam dunk. But outside of like the biggest upgrade ever, it doesn't make sense to me. So I think all this reporting, while interesting, the wording is very important. That
1: I don't think the Pacers will move. I will say that having threads, I I don't ever get on it, but I do get on on Wednesdays when Woj does do his Q and A, just because he does <laughs> ask. I mean, it's, He's it's a totally different guy to... on those. Yeah, so he's he actually pushed it back to tomorrow, or Thursday. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, <laughs> Woj pushed it. it back from Wednesday to Thursday. <laughs> so if you're listening, you have a chance to ask Woj trade questions, uh, Jairus Walker questions if you want, because I, I saw that today on threads. <laughs> because I really only get on there for Woj's uh, Q&A, and I was like, I wonder if he threw out any rumors today, if I missed anything. I was just checking, and then he said, let's do it tomorrow. But um, uh, yeah, so anyway, I, yeah, Jairus Walker, I mean, everybody – in Pacer land probably thought, okay, it's going to take a lot to get Jairus here from the Pacers. Yes. I mean, for them to move off of him this early would be very premature. So even though Toronto would clearly covet him in a trade, I mean, we, we saw what uh, the value of Pascal Siakam was yeah. and there was no better offer out there apparently on the table and one that Pascal wanted to agree to because he does kind of have a little bit of control knowing mm-hmm. he is a free agent in the summer. So that did play a little bit of a factor into it. But yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if Jairus Walker is moved anytime soon. I think that, like you said, if it's the right deal and there's a great player out there, they can get, make some sense if they're trying to kind of push the chips in a little bit more. But Tony, one thing I love about Jairus Walker is, you know, what a great, you know, getting Pascal Siakam is so good for Jairus because yeah. now he can just kind of be under his wing for the next three, four years. Hopefully once, once Pascal resigns his, you know, his contract extension, or he agrees to a max, whatever. But if, if Jarris can kind of just learn from him and then by the time that deal runs out with Pascal and he's like 34, 35 past his prime, Jarris kind of hopefully steps right in. and You don't really have too much there to worry about in terms of losing a uh, taking a step back at the power forward spot. So I, I think that it makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense just to keep Jarris, especially knowing you got Pascal on the roster. Agreed. Hey, you know who's playing in the G League a lot this year? As
0: a first round pick, Jarris Walker. You know who played in the Julie Galat when they were young and is now a pacer? Pascal Siakam. And Bro. I think if you're the Pacers and you like, clearly they picked him. They like him. If you like Jarris Walker and you still value him as a seventh, eighth, whatever overall pick, you have to treat him like that in a trade, even if yeah. he's not playing that much for your team. So makes a lot of sense to me. Next up, we return to Buddy Heald. The flip side of this this one, the timing again, critical. This came out from Mark Stein on January 14th which is important because that is three days before, before they traded for Pascal Siakam. Mark Stein reported that the Pacers are assembling potential trade packages around Buddy Heald and a future first round draft pick. The exact quote, the Pacers league sources say have been building trade offers around a package of Buddy Heald and a future first round pick. We don't have to do too much on this because we already talked about the reasons to think about Buddy Heald's future, but this one makes sense in that if you think Heald is like early second, late first value with, with crappy money coming back, if you use him plus a first, maybe you could get something like, "Oh, cool!" But now that they've traded three firsts, I'm like, "Nah, that that that's not worth it." So this could have been something that made sense for them, especially as a way to use your expiring contract asset to get something really good. But mm-hmm. now, given the Siakam trade, that this doesn't make as much sense as it did at the time that Markstein put this out.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that maybe they were trying to find a package that made sense for Siakam, too. You never know. I mean, that's the thing. Touche, yes. Could have been a three-team deal, whatever we saw them get the Pelicans involved. So obviously there was talks outside of just Toronto and Indiana for this deal to happen. I mean, I think Buddy Hill's always going to be an interesting name just because he isn't expiring. Yep. The contract they did not agree to before the year. That is probably a little bit worrisome just because you don't want him to walk for nothing but at the same time you can probably offer more money than other people want you can also which i didn't bring up earlier you could utilize buddy hill on a sign and trade in the summer if that's something they want to do as well and uh, we we've seen how a lot of teams have done that because he might want to go to a team that doesn't have cap space because it looks like right now aside from Philadelphia and Orlando a lot of teams that have cap space aren't going to be very good so Right. That doesn't make sense for Buddy Hill to want to go get paid and go there because he wants to win. I think he actually really enjoys being here from every interaction I've had with him. It just seems like it's a good fit. But yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what uh, what kind of package they'd be looking for. But I think now at this point, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah, like Bogdan Bogdanovich, I guess, but they already have lots of guards and they had Bruce Brown at the time this came out. Or like,
1: I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Bogdanovich is very interested in him. But- Bogdan Bogdanovich is very interesting to me um, because his contract, I think it's for another like three, four years after this. And is it is it declining too it per is. year? It is. So that that's helpful as well, and I think he can do a little bit more than healed uh, offensively. I agree. Leading, I think I was he, just looking at like wingish types around his salary range,
0: right? Like that would be the move to do that. I don't
1: even yeah. know if
0: you consider Bogdan a wing, but that's why you would have done that. But now that they're out three firsts. That makes way less sense. That is not something they should as aggressively pursue. One more break here. We got to talk about the lovely folks over at Hungry Root. Trying to eat a little healthier in 2024? Me too. And Hungry Root is here to rescue you from short-lived resolutions by making meal planning easier plus nutritious. You can build healthy habits that won't disappear by February with Hungry Root. You can save money. Many customers save money on groceries versus the store with Hungry Root, and they eat out less. You can reduce food waste because – They'll help you save 30% on food waste each week, and customers can save five hours per week using Hungry Root without the stretch of grocery and meal planning. And how about 40% on free veggies for life? That is where Hungry Root can help. They make it easy to do all that and supporting major diets and lifestyles, bringing it right to you. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered right to your door. You can take a short quiz. Boom, they'll get to know you. They'll help you out. They'll make it all happen and save you time and money. It's got to taste good, be quick to make, and contain the whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Lockdown Pacers listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Lockdown. Don't forget to use that link so they know that we sent you. To be clear, I did not watch this episode of the uh, No Cap Room podcast with Jake Fisher, but uh, an aggregator here called Underscore Trade Deadline Uh, has it for us with a clip in it from Jake Fisher that said, this is a January 11th is when this tweet is. So that is again, pre Pascal Siakam trade. I keep hearing Andrew Wiggins name attached to Indiana. And then another part of the quote is, I know that Jonathan Kuminga was another player, was another Warriors player that the Pacers have been keeping tabs on and calling Golden State about dating back to last draft. We heard Kuminga rumors last year. Wiggins is a wing pre Siakam. This made sense. Honestly, I like both of those players a little bit so maybe it does a, a little. Um it's harder with Wiggins now because of their financials, right? Like he's got to be good Wiggins. Yeah. For the Pacers to want him. Kuminga's a young forward, of course you want that, but you have Jarris, you have Obi, you have Pascal, you have Aaron Nesmith. So presumably you have to give up one of them to make it make any sense. So I think getting them, if you can, at the right price, especially Wiggins, he can play the three pretty well. It makes sense. But mm-hmm. again, the trade they've made now, the assets they've sent out, the structure their team, it makes less sense than it did when it came out. Ah, it, eh, I can give that an eh,
1: depending on yeah. how. I mean, I think Andrew Wiggins makes sense in theory if he can be what you want him to be, but he's, <laughs> he's just not. so inconsistent, right? And that right. if he was what you want him to be, there'd be no reason Golden State would be trading him. Right. right, right. right? So, I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with people about Andrew Wiggins. Rhett Bauer is one that is, you know, pretty interested in, in, in Wiggins. And I don't know, maybe maybe a flyer like trading buddy and maybe Obi Toppin's salary for Andrew Wiggins. And if they had to attach some type some type of draft pick to that, maybe Kaminga's not involved. But if they gave it a pick back, would that make some sense for Indiana to get an extra pick moving forward that they could use and, and maybe hope that Wiggins fits in? I just I know you guys talked about the salary with uh, when you had Miller time pot on, so yep. it does get a little bit heavier there the next couple of years. But he is a wing; he can he showed that he can play really good basketball. <laughs> he just can Carlisle pull it out of him? Is everything that just it's so chaotic in Golden State? It's hard to tell. So I don't I don't really know exactly, but I it's a, it's a little intriguing. I'm not overly <laughs> excited about it, but you have my attention a little bit. I think Kuminga's really good. But one, I don't I don't get why the Warriors would trade him. I keep reading these reports about this. I'm
0: like, this makes no sense. He's good now, and they have no future. Like, they need a good young player. It doesn't make sense. Mm. Even if he wants to not be there, they're going to be like, okay, sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Wiggins, I get it because he's not playing well, and they need to be better. He is currently averaging his fewest points per 36 of his career. Oh, yeah. His career. He's shooting under 30% on threes. 47.5% on twos is his lowest since his final season in Minnesota. Uh, it's just hard to justify the contract. If he's not better than that, if he's closer to even last year, Wiggins, that was not as good as title Wiggins, but was still good. Yeah, maybe, but it's just, it's just really hard to to concoct this without knowing what the asset return would be on top of him mm-hmm. and his current contract status. It's a negative contract right now, and it would not be Kuminga or Moody or any of the young guys. So, it's, a, it's just hard, especially now that they have Pascal. It makes a lot less sense to me. So, mm-hmm. fails the smell test, Tony says.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you on that. I, I don't think there's much more to add to that. I just I can't see Kaminga, Moody really leaving Golden State. I, I think that it's more like people trying to hopefully push them out of there by reporting like stuff. That, you just never know. Some people just like throw stuff out there. I'm not saying that these guys reporting it are wrong, but – it does feel like there are some guys out there that throw stuff out on Twitter that don't really know what they're talking about. And that's where you have to be careful with aggregating and stuff. But yes, I I don't necessarily believe that it was, it was probably more of a similar situation to the rival executives are keeping an eye on (laughs) Kaminga and Moses Moody because Hey, if those guys became available, why wouldn't you be excited about maybe trying to get one of them? Agreed. Okay.
0: Would you like to be zany or realistic next those are our last two one is hmm. stupid and ridiculous and one is realistic let's let's be realistic and then get zany at the end okay we'll be realistic first michael scotto again on hoopside. this reported after the siakam trade the first one by a, a day and a half uh, this is another rival executives so bear with me but it's a good one to me mostly because i think it passes the smell test to the highest degree michael scotto reports this is again after the acquisition of Pascal Siakam. The result creates a log jam within Indiana's front court with Jalen Smith, Toppin, and Walker completed for limiting playing time behind Siakam. Notably, uh, Isaiah Jackson, also one of those players. Given Indiana's newfound front court conundrum and the notion outside the organization that Heald would eventually be moved to give Mather and Nemhard and Shepard more playing time looking ahead, rival executives believe the Pacers could make another trade to bolster their team before the deadline. He doesn't say specifically that the Pacers could be trading a front-court player. Michael Scotto does not say that here, just that they could bolster their team. But they have too many front-court guys now, right? One of their centers isn't going to play. Jarris hasn't been playing when they're healthier now. They have Siakam, Toppin, and Walker. So to me, that is beyond Buddy and his expiring and what they're thinking there. That is the most interesting thing for the This totally passes the smell test to me because that is the most interesting thing about the Pacers to me. In the next two weeks, heading up to deadline, do they do something with this front court? Because all those guys are young and and can play in a rotation for them or for another team and would presumably have interest around the league. I don't know how much value they have. I don't know what, how the Pacers rank them and their contracts because Jalen Smith could be a free agent this summer. Obi Toppin will be a free agent this summer, but that passes the smell test and is the most interesting plot line to me for the Pacers team. How do they sort out the reserve front court? They kept Jarvis, clearly they like him. So, how do they sort all this out? What's their move?
1: Yeah, it feels like the writing's on the wall for Obi Toppin just because they didn't trade a whole lot to get him. They drafted Jairus Walker and then they trade for Pascal Siakam. Obviously, those two guys are at the top of the line in terms of what they gave up value wise for those two positions. And then at one point, you know, the last before they acquired Siakam, Jalen Smith was starting a power forward over Obi Toppin as well because it was a better fit and he's a better defender, better rebounder. So, I just feel like with Obi Toppin being a restricted free agent, are they gonna want to pay him a lot of money to bring him back? I don't necessarily think they will. It depends on what the money, like what the number is. If it's around like eight to nine million dollars, I mean, that's not a bad contract at all for a guy that's serviceable. I think you know he's been okay. He fits the system pretty well with what they're trying to do. He seems like a good locker room guy. Everybody seems to really like him. So it it does make sense, but I, I think that. They, they would be kind of smart to test the waters a little bit and see what they could get for Obi top. And I just don't think he's going to have a ton of value considering what they had to give up to, to get him. It was pretty much nothing. Yeah. Uh, it was like the worst of a couple of second round picks. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't scream like, Oh, he's got a ton of value. And then you throw in Isaiah Jackson in the mix as well. He probably doesn't play in the game against Denver. If Jalen Smith is healthy. So that yep. kind of makes you wonder, okay, what's the long-term picture there? Because, it's not a bad thing to have depth at your center position between Jalen, Isaiah and miles, but it feels like you want to try to find playing time for all of them. And I think that was also part of the reason why Jalen Smith was starting at the four because Isaiah played so good in those backup minutes. So can Isaiah and Jalen play together is a big question mark that I'm not necessarily sure they can, but um, if it's limited time, sure. But I just think they need to kind of, and maybe the front office kind of has to do this, trade Obi Toppin so it can create a little bit more of an avenue for Jairus Walker to maybe get more minutes than he is already. Um, It feels like Carlisle has been impressed with Walker when he has played, um, especially recently on that road trip. But we'll we'll see kind of how they feel about him moving forward with their rotation spot. But it, it wouldn't hurt me. It wouldn't hurt them to me to just kind of explore that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Toppin is fascinating. I th- he's the same name I would think of because his value was pretty low when they got him, but it was an opportunistic trade. It made sense. And he's been good. He's mm-hmm. been a better shooter than I thought. He's fitting well with their offense. He's been a better rebounder, right? Like he's a better player, but not only is, you know, you, you think about like his qualifying offer at like almost 8 million. Will he just take that. Like, is he a $10 million guy? Even if you think he's worth that money, which maybe he is, he's been good. He's still young. Then they have to think about the tax. You know, and it's like, do you really want to like have to think about moving salary elsewhere just to keep this guy? Maybe you do. Again, he's played well for them. But then Jairus is right there and Isaiah is right there. And then Isaiah Jackson, the thinking to me is like, if you have three centers and one's not playing, their value to you is less than it would be somewhere else. But is the value of are you getting enough back in a trade to just have a vet third guy who doesn't play that much? Right like that. That's the push and pull. So I think they're sorting out their front court is fascinating. And they could, you know, Jalen Smith could opt out in four or five months from his contract, and then he's a free agent. How do you want to you know, handle that if you're the Pacers? So there's just a lot of there's a lot being juggled there that they they kind of could do a lot, and I would get it, but I don't know exactly how they would figure out what to do or what the best move is. But it does stand to reason what this report says that that or at least what rival executives that they would at least consider it or have to think about that. Let's get hmm. zany. Are you ready to get zany? Uh, I'm ready. The zany thing that everybody has has referred to or muttered this kind of clippers uh, who has not signed an extension yet who used to play for the Indiana Pacers his name is uh his name is Paul George uh mark stein reported on uh January 16th so that is right before uh or maybe that was the day of the the Siakam trade he said um Talking about Paul George after the Leonard extension, the Clippers are now widely expected to sign Paul George to an in-season contract extension. And then the next paragraph says, George's free agency had the potential to be one of next summer's most interesting storylines with both Philadelphia and PG-13's old friends in Indiana believed to be interested in pursuing him. And then on the trade deadline again, didn't listen to this, aggregator Twitter account. I apologize if this is not something that was actually uttered, but that's all this account does is aggregate stuff. Um Jake Fisher regarding Tyrese Halbert and Paul George. They were intrigued from my understanding about the idea of playing together. Do I think Paul George is ever going to be a pacer again? No, I don't. Does he make a lot of (laughs) sense because he's a good fit? Heck yeah, he's an amazing player. Uh, This does not pass the smell test because it doesn't make sense to me that PG would leave LA. But hey,
1: two people reported it, so I'm going to bring it up to you. and then we'll be done with that. Yeah, I feel the same way as you, but at the same time, like what what a story. If he would <laughs> were to sort come of. back and come back to Indiana, play with Tyrese, like just think about it this way. The guy that kind of turned his back on the Pacers, you know, that, that trade of Paul George ended up getting the Pacers Tyrese Halliburton. If he's the reason why that guy <laughs> that wanted to leave you came back to team up with them and then help you have a run on the Eastern Conference, I mean that could be really fun. And I mean Paul George is playing great basketball True. still. It's not like he's playing bad basketball. I know he's on the, he's like 33, 34 right now. So it's, he is getting closer to the end of his career, but I mean, he's got a couple of years left in him of good basketball, but yeah, I mean, with Kawhi re-signing and and upping up (laughs) LA, no way, but it is nice to dream. It's nice to dream, but that's the kind of player the Pacers need, that's for sure. (laughs) Let me, let me just say,
0: I did it. I checked the box, talked about Paul George. Don't have to do it anymore. It's over. I've covered it. (laughs) No one has to hear about this. <laughs> the Pacers you and now uh, with this Yakima trade, it's like impossible. They won't have cap space. They can't trade for it. I'm like, it, okay, we're done. Okay. a serious thing, the Pacers have a game tonight, Alex. Uh, I don't know if you heard or you live under a rock, uh, but the 76ers are in town and their best player uh, broke a franchise record set by one Wilt Chamberlain this week and scored 70 points in one game. Mr. Joel did. And it's, Wilt scored a 100 for a Philadelphia franchise, but wasn't the 76ers. I hate this little, this asterisk isn't sitting right with me. Either way, Joel Embiid's insane. Uh, Just just for a minute or two, do you have any thoughts on the 76ers game? What will it take for the Pacers to end this losing streak and beat that team?
1: It's going to be a tough matchup. I mean, we know that Joel Embiid is one of the toughest players to guard in the league period. Tyrese Maxey's having a great year so far. And I'll just put it out there. If Nicholas Batum is healthy... It's going to be tough for the Pacers. He is a Pacer killer for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Kelly Oubre Jr., same thing. I feel like the Pacers didn't have to face him last time because he was dealing with the bike accident when they when they played the doubleheader there in Philadelphia a couple of uh, months ago during the in-season tournament game. But I think it's going to be tough. I, I'm hoping the Pacers... I mean, the Pacers have actually competed pretty well uh, be, since they've gotten Pascal, even w- without Tyrese, too. Like They were in that Suns game. They were in that Nuggets game. Can they just pull one out? Because Philadelphia, they're starting a five-game road trip, I believe. So, you know, you were hoping maybe this is on the tail end of that road trip, but it's at the beginning. Obviously, Embiid just had 70 points against the Spurs. Hopefully, he ran out of makes and and made them all in that game. That's one of your only hopes, I think. But Indiana, it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be an uphill battle. There's a reason why Philadelphia is so good this year. And I I think I I would say that I think Philadelphia wins this game, but – I think the Pacers will compete hard. I mean, they've done that all season long against better competition, too. So I'm not going to count them out. Like, if they won, it wouldn't surprise me. This Pacer team winning without Tyrese wouldn't surprise me. But it's a really good Philly team.
0: Yeah, I'd say the only, like, non-competitive Pacers games all season were without Tyrese in Boston, without Tyrese in Utah. And then that frickin' Orlando Magic game, that was just oh, like, holy cow, fun. maybe the Magic are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're now they're in these. Okay, so when the Pacers beat the Sixers earlier this season, Embiid was Embiid, whatever. He had 39, 12, 6, and 3. That looks made up. Tyrese Maxey, they slowed him down after Maxey had 50 the first time. He still had 27, but it took him 23 shots. He had four turnovers. That was critical, right? Because they they could live with Harris. They could live with Melton. They did really well on Maxey, and none of the role guys were amazing. So, one, slowing Maxey's key to me. If he gets in the paint and is scoring or is at least efficient, they have no chance because Embiid's going to kick their butt. Even in the win, Embiid kicked their butt, and Miles Turner fouled out in 19 minutes, right? And Turner had 17 points. He had a good fourth quarter that night, but yeah. that's crucial to me, slowing down Tyrese Maxi. Think two, they're going to need someone to be awesome. You Like, Halbert was amazing in that game. That was the start of his, like, oh, this guy never turns the ball over, stretch of the season. But uh, 17 for Turner with a big fourth quarter. Bruce Brown had a nice night of scoring. TJ McConnell had 11 points efficiently. And Obi Toppin was amazing. He had 27, and he only made one three, right? So they're going to need those kind of nights. And Siakam, of course, is a new infusion in this. Maybe he can replicate some of Halbert stat line, but they're going to need, like... Five for eight from deep from two guys, probably. And Smith likely one of them because he'll play a lot. So mm-hmm. it's tough. I agree with you, but they have, a, they have a chance. They've been close with these contenders that they've lost to the last two games. They've been winning in the final three minutes of both. But I, uh, I do not assume the Pacers will ever beat Joel Embiid. But maybe this will be like the Bucs where I just said, I don't think the Pacers will ever beat Giannis. And then they beat him <laughs> four out of five times this year. So eventually maybe that will change. I don't see the Pacers winning. Do you have any other thoughts on this game?
1: No, I will just say this. I looked up Pascal Siakam's numbers when we were talking against Philadelphia. He had 11 points and 10 points in two games, and then one game he had 31. So if we get the 31-point Pascal, there's a little bit of hope. That was the most recent one on December 22nd. So he actually had 12 free throw attempts. So don't know if that will ever happen in a Pacers uniform for Pascal based on how he's been officiated so far the first couple of games. But I think that he has some opportunities here to kind of familiarity with, with Philadelphia. Maybe that does help a little bit. Yeah. Other than that, you know, you're right though. They got to stop Maxie. I think he's kind of uh, obviously, you know, Embiid is, is the main guy, but Maxi, man, if he killed the Pacers in that first game, I think being able to slow him down a little bit in the second game was what helped. And Obi Toppin and had a great game in that second game. I think that might have been his best game as a Pacer. I think he had 26 points, like 13 rebounds. He was just phenomenal, and I'll, I'll never forget Joel Embiid looked so gassed in that in that quarter into the fourth quarter he was so tired against indiana and i think if they can just run that's one of the one of the reasons or one of the reason one of the points they can use to get get ahead of philadelphia is just use that to their advantage because making joel run for 48 minutes is that's that's one way to wear him down i I think that it's not going to be easy but that's what you got to do
0: agreed it'll be a fun one we'll have all the coverage here on lockdown pictures you know where else you can find coverage of the Pacers and Pacers Sixers and Pacers trade stuff. The Setting the Pace podcast hosted by Alex Golden and Focci. Alex, where can people find you and your voice and words covering the Pacers?
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. I'm at Alex NBA, And our podcast is wherever you get your podcasts. You know, post-game videos will be on YouTube. We're not always on YouTube like this show here. But, um, <laughs> you know, we, we try to as much as we can. I want to see most, your face uh, every day, Alex. Every day. I, I, people would love that. I think, you know, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a radio face for sure, but you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. To. I think talking about the team is going to be fun. I won't be on that podcast after the game. Fachi's doing that one um, without me, but it'll be, it'll still be good coverage for you guys. So make sure you check it out. I'll be at the game on, on Thursday as a fan, enjoying that one. So hopefully we get a win. Should be fun. Should be fun. Looking forward
0: to talking about it. A little bit of Suns tomorrow as well. Unless something crazy happens and requires different coverage. Hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you think we missed a rumor that is from someone credible, I should have said that earlier. There are a lot of (laughs) not credible people that I will not be talking about here. Let me know so I can talk about it. If not, we'll be talking trade deadline stuff next week. Got some guests lined up for it already. Thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon.